Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, the hand of God. We're going to pick and choose a few texts from the story of Jonah. You know that story, Jonah and the great fish. We're going to pull the first chapter, the fourth verse, the 17th verse, and then we're going to go to the fourth chapter, the sixth through the eighth verses. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent wind arose that the ship threatened to break up. Verse 17, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about that plant. Now, you all know Jonah's story. God gives him a special preaching assignment. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah doesn't want to go. He hates the Ninevites and decides to disobey God's orders. Jonah boards a boat bound for Tarshish. That's the opposite direction of Nineveh. The ship encounters a storm. Its sailors, fighting for their lives, are eventually forced to throw Jonah overboard. He ends up in the belly of a great fish. As the plot continues to unfold, Jonah slowly learns his spiritual lesson, but not without great struggle and not without great cost. Traditional commentary tells us that the character of Jonah is a symbol of the Israelites and their arrogant belief that God's election was only for them, that no others were worthy. In the end, God showed mercy to the Ninevites, and that's what made Jonah so angry. But the message of Jonah really can reach much further. It's a cautionary tale for all of us, you see, because old Jonah suffers from one of the most common and dangerous human flaws, the sin of pride. It was pride that kept Jonah from answering God's initial call. It was pride that focused his anger on the Ninevites and caused him to run from God. And it was pride that led Jonah directly into the great fish's mouth. You see, Jonah was never fully committed to God's call. He allowed his arrogance to divert him from his mission, and he had a difficult time showing mercy to those in need. Jonah was thinking only about himself. Pride is a dangerous and insidious sin, and one we need to be aware of, particularly in the body of Christ. It not only corrodes our insides, but can destroy peace and unity among us. Pride is judgmental, it holds on to grudges, it is self-centered, it is impossible to love your neighbor when you're so consumed with yourself. And that is one key reason this story is so instructive, because we are all susceptible to pride. But the sin of pride is only part of this story. As much as we see ourselves in Jonah, in his selfishness, his stubbornness, his judgment against others, What we really need to pay attention to in this text is the role of God. You see, despite Jonah's tendency to run away, to disobey, to forge his own path, 
His ultimate destiny is always in the hands of God. Everything that Jonah went through was under God's control. Jonah 1.4, then the Lord sent the great wind. Jonah 1.17, now the Lord provided the huge fish. Jonah 4.6, then the Lord provided the leafy plant. Everything that happened in Jonah's situation was caused by God. Now, I've read this story over and over and over, but I've never paid particular attention to that. I got so caught up in the narrative, so caught up in the excitement. This is the plot of the story. Not the people, though they are interesting and wonderful people. The plot of the story is about the hand of God. Psalm 95.5, the sea is his, for it is he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Isaiah 64.8, O Lord, we are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. First Chronicles 29.12, you rule over all, and in your hand are power and might. Everything is in God's hands. You know that old song, he's got the whole world in his hands. It's a glorious and rousing song, but do we really believe what it says? When you say everything's in God's hands, that means that nothing is outside the control of God. And that's a difficult statement to believe. We've just gone through the anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks when 3,000 people died at the hands of Islamist extremists. It was the deadliest foreign attack ever on U.S. soil. And of the many questions that remain in our minds about that day, the main one for believers, and I've heard this over and over again, is how can a good God allow such evil in the world? It is a question that we all struggle with, not just because of world events, but because of what we go through in our own lives. Now, there are lots of theories and arguments. You can talk to psychologists and sociologists, and they'll all tell you one thing or the other. And I don't think there's much comfort there. Preacher, writer, one of my favorites, Randy Alcorn, writes that while evil had no part in God's original creation, it was part of his original plan. Alcorn says that God knew evil would come, and and God uses it to play a necessary role in our redemption. That may or may not bring consolation to you. It does for me, but it may not be enough for you. But the Bible is clear. God forms the light and creates the darkness. God brings prosperity and disaster. Everything is in God's hands. I'm so glad you're with us today. Here's a special invitation. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is marking 130 years of worshiping God and serving his people. And we want you to help us celebrate Thursday, September 29th at Mosley's on the Charles in Dedham. For ticket information, log on to rpcat130.org. That's rpcat130.org. We'll see you September 29th. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I, the Lord, can do all things. Everything is in God's hands. The Bible tells us that the only reason we come to God is because God draws us to him. We are saved by God's grace. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Now, we still have free will. We still make choices, but God's choice is greater. That's what I believe. After God rescues Jonah from the whale, Jonah finally obeys the Lord, and he he preaches to the Ninevites, who quickly repent. But Jonah remains gloomy and bitter and a 
According to the text, chapter 4, verse 6, Jonah makes himself a shelter and sits in the shade, stewing in his own juices after all he's been through, still stubbornly refusing to look beyond his own emotions. He, he's angry that God uh, saved the Ninevites. He's stubbornly uh, holding on to his own beliefs. And this is the part of the story that should move you the most. Now, it does not hold the drama of the adventure on the ship or the three days in the belly of the fish, but I think it speaks to most of our, our, our deepest yearnings and our, our deepest needs. God provides, in chapter 4, verse 6, a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. Despite Jonah's disobedience and disrespect, Despite Jonah's propensity to just focus on himself, God ministers tenderly to him, just as he does to Nineveh, and just as he does for us. God's hand is ultimately a a hand of mercy. God intervened in Jonah's life for the same reason that he ultimately intervenes in ours, to save us from ourselves. There's a steady and ongoing plot to all of God's moves, a a powerful and persistent purpose to his actions, the desire for our salvation. That's why Jesus came to save us, to save us from sin, to save us from evil, to save us from death, to save us from ourselves. The hand of God offers us guidance, instruction, discipline. But in the end, the hand of God offers mercy. God's hands are our deliverance. God is a delivering God. Oh, yes, he delivers us. He he delivers us from life's storms. He delivers us from the belly of the beast, from the depths of sin. He delivers us from all that would separate us from his love. And he does this with divine persistence. It's it's kind of a a relentless way. I I laughingly say God is a stalker. If only you would open the eyes of your heart, you would see that God searches for you. God pursues you. And and I've got to tell you of all the places you want to be, you want to be in God's hands. (laughs) You want to be under the control of a sovereign deliverer. At one point, even stubborn Jonah realizes that in his desperate prayer, when he is at his worst inside the fish, he says, the water surrounded me, the deep closed around me, yet you, O Lord, have brought up my life from the pit. I don't know about you, but I've been in some pits in my life, and I know that in those pits I could not save myself. I know the only reason I was lifted from any one of the innumerable pits that I have fallen into and stumbled into and dived headfirst into, I have been delivered by God Almighty. So I can only be humble before God. To put our lives totally in God's hands is an investment in our eternity. Now, there is work we must do. I'm not trying to imply that all you have to do is throw yourself in God's hands and do nothing. What we learn from this story is that there's so many ways to turn away from God. 
And I'm talking about Christians, people who've already been saved and sanctified, because Jonah was a preacher in the first place. He was not an unbeliever. What God wants us to do is to humble ourselves before God. I started out talking about Jonah's pride. It really is about all of our pride. And humility, I talk about a lot, because I want us to get humble, not insecure, not putting ourselves down, but depending on God's grace. You know, as a pastor, I I depend a lot on what I can do for this church and what I'm going to do for this community. And I have to be reminded time and time again that it really is not about me. It's about God. In order to see God's mercy, we got to humble ourselves. So if you feel like you're in a mess right now or you're going through a storm or you're in the belly of the beast, I just want you to know that God did not reject Jonah even at his worst, and God will not reject you. Your future, your eternity is in the hands of God. Thanks for joining me. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let me.